What up, everybody? Yeah, I know it's kind of been a, a while um, since I've been able to share what's been going on. So I can't tell you, though, how good it does feel to be able to do this, especially whenever it is that I want to do it. Um, whenever it is that I feel led to do it, man, I love doing this show and I love you guys. And just for the sake of this show, I'll give my intro as I usually do. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is your host, Mr. Brandon Wade, but you can call me B2. You can call me B squared. You can still call me whatever you want, but you got to follow the rule. Now, I don't know if you guys haven't been around before. I don't know if this is your first PA forward. I don't know where you are, but just in case you don't know the rules, this is the rule. You can call me whatever you want to call me as long as it's nice. It's good to be back, y'all. This is Pay It Forward. We are, of course, on Apple Music, Spotify, any of the major places that you can find um podcast as well as we're streaming on radiowarp.com and we stream uh, Monday through Monday and Wednesday at 12 p.m. and Tuesday at Thursday at 5 p.m. that's Pacific Standard Time so you can find us on there both live on Radio Warp, and you can find us on Apple Music and Spotify for whenever you just want to listen to it and just, you know, find out what's going on. So, you know, again, my favorite thing to do, especially on this show, is to make sure I keep a promise that I made when I first started doing this show, especially um, after my dad died some years, uh, about a year ago, was... That wherever I was and whatever I was learning and whatever I was bringing, I was going to bring that to the table and, you know, just try to be as authentic as possible. And I feel that I've, you know, done a pretty good, you know, representation of that. And each time I get here, a lot of times I don't really know how I'm going to address or how I'm going to bring up, you know, what's coming to me. So I kind of. I'm just trying to get in the rhythm of what it is that I feel like I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to get us to give kind of an update. Um, over the last month or so, um, I have been able to go some places. Um, I've had some good experiences. I am a part of a non-religious prayer movement. And, you know, we go out a lot of places. And sometimes we we, we do different events. You know, we'll go and we'll, we'll just go out and bless the people. You feel me? It's not really a religious thing. Again, it's not like... It's not it's not what you would think when you would think about ministry. It's just, you know, going out, um, finding out things that the people need and then, you know, helping the people get where they got to go. And I guess what it is, is in essence, it's kind of like what I like doing with this show. You know, it's paying it forward. You know, it's it's not giving people what they can get back. You know, it's giving people what they're able to give forward, you know. That's uh, at least in my experience, that's been the best feelings that I've had about something when uh, they've when when I've had the opportunity to do it is like. 
when you give somebody something, you know, and they can't give it back to you, that's the best thing because then they can take what they have been given and be inspired to do so for somebody else. You know, the times in which I've been giving gifts and things of that nature where I just knew I wasn't going to be able to pay it back. Those were the times in which I was blessed to know that I could pay it forward into the lives of other people. And I just was like, man, look, I, I want to be able to do that. And so the ministry and things in which I've been involved in have been mostly along those lines. Pretty much what we do is we just go around paying it forward. So what's cool is, you know, I've gotten to go to a few birthday parties, a few kickbacks, things like that. And that's really what we do. When we go there, you know, we, we hang out with people and then we just pay it forward in their lives. So that's been a cool experience for me. And um, I I guess you could say I've gotten more in touch with my faith. Um and again, I mean that in a non-religious way. Um, that has been a interesting uh, experience and journey for me. Um, and maybe there's some people on the line that wherever their faith is or whatever their faith is in are maybe having some similar experiences. Maybe y'all can feel me on this one. Um, but regardless, I just feel this is a good time to share what some of my experiences have been. And, um, just in the, in the vein of getting in touch with, you know, being real, you know, this is one of the places where I have always given myself permission to be as real as possible. You feel me to say whatever it is that was on my heart, whatever it is I wanted to say, whatever it is and speak like I was just really talking to just one person, you know, one person that might just be interested in however many people listen is however many people listen, but it's something that I honestly like to do. So, um, yeah, again, it's been a it's been a um a pretty interesting journey. Um and interesting doesn't always mean that it has felt, you know, good or bad. One thing that I've been working on is working on giving myself permission to be, you know, permission to be. And the world that I've come from is a world in which I know how to do, you know, you're judged based upon what you do. You are evaluated based upon your performance. You're not evaluated upon anything else. As long as you're performing good, you know, that's all that really matters. And I think authenticity and performance, you know, can be tied into each other, but you don't necessarily need to be authentic to perform well. You can just be somebody that performs well and knows how to get things together. You know, you've had, you know, artists and people that have some of the most successful performances and they are often to, they can be alcoholics. They can be all kinds of things, but they know how to get it together in order to give a good performance. And that doesn't, so, so the quality of life in which we have ain't always guaranteed because we can perform, you know, but for me, learning to be has been like the next step, I guess, in my journey of faith and my and my own experiences in life. Like, how do you be? And see, even in that, I find myself asking, like, how do you be? But being is not doing, it's being. It's it, being and doing are two separate things. And that has been kind of a... I don't really know all of what's going on experience. I don't know what I am experiencing. And and over the last month or so, I I experienced, I felt a lot of overwhelm. Like, 
just just overwhelmed, you know, just just stuff, just seeing things going on around you, um, people constantly repeating things they see in the news, all types of things that just have aided to a sense of overwhelm and getting grounded within myself, getting grounded within my body. Um, I was blessed to have a couple good calls uh, recently with some people that brought themselves. They said, man, I'm just being raw and I'm being vulnerable. I said, thank you because you really are helping me to do the same. And um, learning how to be without performing you know, I if, it, if there's any way to perform, I think, honestly, it makes it better. Being without performing. And... I still don't know all of what it means, but... I guess I'm trying to focus more on what it is. So... Uh, I had... A couple of conversations recently, and I had one uh, message on my IG stick out, and it was a message about faith. Um, my personal belief is in Jesus Christ. Um, I always say that I don't, I'm not going to, and never will judge somebody based off of whatever it is they believe. Look, if you, if you, if you have any faith, you have no faith. You believe atheist? I do not care. Your, you and who you are is more important than where or whatever your faith is. Um, but I, 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 I say this in context so y'all can know what it is I'm looking at. There's a account I follow, follow called Commoners Communion, and it talks a lot about um, connection with God, authentic connection with God. What does it mean? What does the perception, what is our perception of God versus who God really is? All things like that. And the, 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 the point was made of like, what if God wants to have the relationship with us that we want in ourselves and with other people? And maybe God just wants, you know, sometimes us to be just as willing to accept him for who he is as he is to accept us for who we are. And that concept to me, honestly, it made me feel really uncomfortable. I was like, yo, I don't think I want to hear any more about this. And it wasn't because that wasn't something that interests me. But I I just going to say that that made me feel very uncomfortable. It made me feel very uncomfortable. Um, It also made me feel and think about... What it what what is it gonna mean when we sit and we allow ourselves to be when we're not doing there's a sense of vulnerability there like because when you're doing something your task is based on how well you do it there's not really a sense of vulnerability there because vulnerability isn't necessarily required to do a task but when I'm being being involves me being vulnerable, you know, and I realized that I didn't know just how much I wanted, whether I did or didn't, a relationship with God that allowed me to be and also allow him to be as well. 
and it started to occur to me as I I I, I kind of said, you know what? I I'll choose and see what this feels like if I just did nothing but sat and allowed myself to be and invited the presence of God in without labels, without assumption of what God was going to say, do, or think. What would that mean? And it felt very, it it, it did in the end feel good and feel satisfying. And it also felt terrifying and scary and I felt very unsure because what I have always known was you are expected to do if nothing else you may be asked to be but you are expected to do and Spending time with my dad, because see, what I've learned about God is that everybody tends to think about God the way they think about their parents. It It is something that we don't really we don't really acknowledge a lot of times. But usually our first image of God is whatever image we have of our parents. So if our parents are overbearing and have no sense of boundaries or anything like that, then then we will think of God in that same manner. And. God is so much more than what our parents are and what experiences that we have, but we relegate God oftentimes to experiences. And I know that I've done so for myself. You know, I had, have, have, have in, in, I have relegated, um, at times, um, actually more often than just times I have relegated, um, at times God to the experience of being hypocritical, being mercurial, being easily judgmental, being easily sensitive, easily provoked and authoritarian, unwilling to listen, only interested in himself, you know, borderline, if not crossed over narcissistic and unapologetic and just overall mean. And those is not none of those things. God is not any of those things. And Logically, as people, especially if you are somebody that believes in God or a God, you may think God is that. And you may even know that God is not any of those things logically, but to be in the presence of God and allow God to not be what we believe that he is and what we have accepted that he is, is another thing entirely. And I'd gotten, you know, I've gotten some good advice about, you know, listening and things like that. And I can remember getting some of that advice and feeling really upset about it. I said, yo, you don't know how many times I have just wanted to listen and I had to listen to somebody else's pain. That I had to listen to somebody else's struggle. That I had to just sit there and listen to somebody else's pain. And because I didn't know any boundaries, I had to feel like their pain was my own. And I just had to sit there just feeling their pain over and over and over as they just pour it out and pour it out and pour it out. And then after they pour it out, they ask me, oh, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, I feel like crap now. How are you? And 
I had to listen to my dad do that. And so hearing the concept, even though it was spoken in an entirely different context about love and listening and being compassionate, I was like, how can I give you compassion? I don't have any. And that's that's a crux of something. We are not able to give things we don't have. And in the Bible, particularly, that's one of the things it talks about. It says, you know, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. And I have not charity, then all I have is, you know, the sound of a tinkling brass or a cymbal. And it's basically saying that you make a beautiful sound, but it's hollow. And part of being somebody that truly believes serves and trust the cause of God is to emanate compassion to give compassion but we cannot give compassion we don't have and I find myself looking at how much I have accepted in life. And there was another quote that ties into what I'm, what I'm saying here is, um, uh, another, uh, um, Instagram account finding awareness is one I follow. And this person said that we oftentimes are not able to accept our present because we deeply, deeply, deeply want our past to be different. We wish things were different. And this is true in most cases. We genuinely, generally wish things were different. When, as and the more we're able to accept in our lives that these are things that happen to us, and we're able to genuinely accept them, not numb ourselves to it, but genuinely accept them, the more we are able to have compassion and have present tense in the present moment. And um, I've wondered sometimes, man, how many friends have I had? that didn't or never had the experience of even having compassion before. There was a conversation I had with one of my friends and because I've been doing a lot of boundary work, a lot of healing work and things like that. I remember I got on the phone with him and I told him, I said, bro, I want to tell you something. You can say no to me. I said, you don't have to worry about our friendship being in jeopardy or anything like that. If you say, Hey man, I can't do it today. Or you know what? I, and feel on myself. I said, you are all right if you got to come and be yourself. If you not got to be on or anything like that. I'm just telling you here you have permission to say no. And I told him, man, I believe that the people that are closest to you should be the people you feel most comfortable saying no to. They should be the people that you you feel the less like you've let them down if you say no. And I remember he spoke to me. And he said, bro, I don't think I've ever heard anybody tell me that in my life. And you know something? How many people have been like that? How many people in our communities have never really gotten the chance to say no? How many people can say no, feel like they can say no without consequence amongst their families? And I realize that's something that transcends race. In a few conversations that I've been blessed to have with people of all kinds of different colors and races, I hear that everywhere. It seems to be something that transcends race. That you bring up the concept of saying no and people go, oh, what? I can say no to you? And just the concept of having healthy boundaries is something that 
I found myself excited about introducing and disappointed in just how many people didn't have that taught to them because they weren't modeled into so many things we've accepted about ourselves, about God, just simply because that wasn't what was modeled to us. We were taught something by our parents and they were taught something by their parents and God was nowhere involved in it. It was just something that we were taught. And people have accepted certain things as the absolute 110% gospel truth. And it was just a belief that the person that they trusted and had authority over them told them and nudged them to believe that. And that is a scary thought. That is a scary feeling. When we ask ourselves, how are you feeling? I can't tell you how many times, man. I looked inside my body and said, bro, I have no idea. And the default answer a lot of times is, oh, I'm good. Good is a a sense of something that maybe we want it to be. But maybe it isn't. We want something to be that way. And it isn't yet. Or we don't feel that way yet. Or maybe it is already good. And emotionally, we are not present in the goodness of that moment. And being emotionally present... It sounds healthy and it is healthy, but it's not always the most natural thing to do when that wasn't what you were taught. How many of us have been raised on survival mode? We lived our lives on survival mode. We've lived our lives surviving each other. And how many of us are transitioning into what it really means to live. Living means experiencing all emotions, all things, feeling all things in our body, allowing ourselves to make decisions that are not guided by our emotional state, but decisions that allow us to integrate our emotional state into who we are because our emotions are there for a reason. They are not there just so we can be ignored. They can be shut down. They can be forgotten because if they were, there would be no need for us to have emotions. We could literally just be creatures of logic. Y'all I'm, I am talking about, authentic willing connection with God with ourselves with each other and the idea that the gentleman in commoners communion brought up which is what if God just wants to be accepted for who he is was a concept so baffling and blindsiding that after all the things I heard I said man I want to hear no more than that Because it has always been easier for me to look at God as somebody apathetic. 
to look at somebody that says, I don't care, especially when you know that they don't make mistakes. And you know why I've looked at it that way? Because that's how my dad always acted. My dad, even as a person who very clearly made mistakes, always acted in most cases like he didn't make mistakes. He was like, yeah, I didn't do that. Even if he blatantly did some certain things, he'd be like, I didn't do that. And so that was the image I got of God. My logic said, well, if my dad acts this way and God is not stopping my dad to act this way, then he must agree with my dad acting this way, which means he must be that way as well. So that has always been, prior to this point, a safe place for me. God don't like you. God is angry at you. God is silent because he's judging you in secret. God is silent because no matter what you're doing, he's just racking up everything that you do. He don't care nothing about you anyway. Those have always been safe beliefs. Safe prospectives. And not even healthy ones. Not even the ones I wanted, but simply the ones I was taught. I only did that because those were things that my biological dad did in my life. And those weren't the only things he did, but they were the things in which stuck out the most. So, what does that mean? for authentic connection in me sitting there today with God. Um, I, I felt that I started to feel him more. As I said, I'm, I'm going to just be here. Not just say here I am, but actually be here. Actually turn my attention to you. And be present and allow you to also have the space to be yourself. Whomever yourself is. And I think in that moment, I got the chance to allow myself for God to be bigger than the conception in which I've had of him. Also, to allow myself in what I understand to be bigger than the conception that I've always had. So what does it mean to be real? When you ask people what does it mean to be real, you usually get a platitude. And when you go deeper than that, mostly, in, at least in my experience, has been the answer has usually always been, I don't know. Because how many of us were granted that opportunity? So in our adulthood years, we search for things that we didn't get in our childhood years. We search for conclusions to relationships that we ain't have, you know, and it's 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 rooted in the desire for things to have been different. We search for conclusions. Our minds are brilliant in doing this, but also I, the way I call it is it's the most brilliant thing our minds do that never works. If you didn't get a situation solved in one relationship, find a relationship that was just like it and get the situation solved that way. It's brilliant and it never works. All it does is seek to all it does is it creates the cycle over again. It seems by all means it should work, but it doesn't. So how do we be? Um we, and even that, we get platitudes. I've been guilty of saying these platitudes often. You need to forgive. You need to let go. You need to be open. Well, if someone were to ask you how to do that, do you have an answer? 
Can you give someone steps? And in most cases, the answer is no. But there are steps. What I did today, this is me paying it forward to everybody. What I did today, when I sat on the edge of my bed, I I began to breathe. And this is taking a little bit of practice. I began to breathe. And I started logically categorizing every feeling, every categorizing every feeling I was having in my body. I had some lead weight in my stomach. Felt like lead weight. Felt a little bit of nausea in my my upper belly. I started to uh, uh, feel a little bit of uh, excitement. Felt a little bit of a uh, drowsiness. Started calculating, ca- uh, ca- um, cataloging all of the feelings that were in my body. And then I just imagined myself opening up for God to be there and imagining myself not closing up with him sitting on the bed next to me that's what I imagined myself doing and I did that and I just imagined myself saying I will receive whatever it is that you give me some of us it has not been a safe place to receive Some of us have never experienced what it was like to be able to receive from someone knowing that that person is only working for your best interest. Because a lot of us, and I'm just saying right now, I am so sorry for every person that I know has been listening that has not been able to receive compassion and not been able to receive the things that you have desired from somebody who may have truly had your best interest at heart. And was following a pattern of program thinking that only they that they had been subjected to. And if you may have suffered from something like that, I am so sorry because a lot of us have. And in meeting God. God, oftentimes, the first thing I feel that he shares with everybody is that I am not like those in which you have experienced And for us as humans, we find ourselves confronting this idea of how do we know that? And oftentimes we're taught, well, you just need to trust. And blind trust, not realizing in most cases that blind trust is what got the people to the point in which they were hurting in the first place. As children, all we know how to do is blindly trust. And our parents are human beings too. And oftentimes our parents are just children in grown up bodies. They're just people that never knew and never had the type of regulatory love that they always wanted. And so they're just children trying to seek that love out, but they're children in grown bodies. And so all they can impart onto us is what they know. And so I always say the true healing or what from what I've learned about true healing is it's a process that you start yourself. I believe God finishes the process, but I believe we start the process. Um in in a concept, because truthfully, we can't start the process in my belief unless God has already started it within us. But consciously it's a process that we consent to, we give permission to, we give permission for ourselves to heal. We give permission for ourselves to heal. And then as we move forward in that healing, God works in us and finishes the process. So, again, what does it mean to be 
it means that whatever it is that I am feeling and that I am processing and that I am allowing, I am allowing it to be here in this relationship with God. When he shows up, I don't clean my room. And people say, well, you know, you, you say, well, when a guest shows up, you clean your room. But if this is somebody you married, you may want the room to look nice because you care about them. But not because you're trying to hide something. We, and I can say for myself, have often said, well, I want people to love me for who I am. And when we see people, one of the main things we're that we do because we may have been taught that is we start hiding the parts of them that we don't think that they'll like. We start hiding the parts of ourselves. We start managing their opinion and their perspective of us. We don't want them to see us in our underwear. We don't want them to see us without our hair cut. We don't want them to see us with bad breath. We don't want them to see us with that. So we begin to manage that perspective. We begin to do that. And we don't do it because we care. We do so out of fear. We do so because we are scared that that person is going to hurt us. And this is the reality of trauma. It is something that did happen. It's not something, and, it, and, and actually in our bodies, it's something that's happening at that moment. But it is not something that is happening presently. In our bodies, we are there. But in reality, we are not. And that is the healing process of trauma, accepting and allowing that experience to flow through the body when it shows up, to flow through and sell that telling that experience, I am allowing you to be here. You happened and it's okay. You are given residence, you are given space. And also allowing the current reality to not be what the reality in which you're experiencing in your body might be because it is a reality you're experiencing. It's something that happened. And oftentimes our bodies remember what our minds forget. So our minds be like, man, I don't remember that. But your body is like, but I do. And I feel that the more we give permission to our bodies, the more we give permission to God and say, I am willing, I consent to letting go. I've seen, and more often than not, man, I've been guilty of it. I've seen it. Most of the people that say let go and forgive have usually not let go or forgiven. Because to do so is a process that can be both instantaneous and long time. There have been days where I have genuinely woken up in the morning and been like, I've forgiven this person, like randomly. It could be somebody I, I haven't. And I'm like, I actually have forgiven this person. And no matter how hard I tried in my natural mind to forgive somebody, there have been days where it was like God just completed the process. And I woke up one day, it was like, that person's forgiven. I just knew they were forgiven. Like it was just like a body knowledge. When I felt them, when I felt them in my body, I thought about them. I didn't get any rage. I didn't get any resentment. And there's such a difference between forgiveness and numbness. Oftentimes we hear people saying, I have forgiven and they haven't really forgiven. They've just grown numb. But the pain itself is still there. And so as we process and as I'm processing more and more and more about faith, about realness, about doing and being more than just the sum of my actions, I find myself making room. That's something I also wanted to talk about was making room. You know, we always hear these platitudes that say, you know, when God's finna give you something better, 
you got to get rid of the stuff you used to have. And that conceptually has some truth, at least in my belief. But it is not really true in the concept of which we know it as. Letting go is allowing room for another concept. For example, the ministry, the organization that I am a part of is leagues and miles different from the traumatic experiences that I had in the past. My present tense letting go allows me to accept and be receptive to a reality that was not does not align with the reality that I once knew. And I believe the more we're willing to suppress realities that were, the less receptive we are to the reality that we're in. So the reality that we're in may have no trauma whatsoever. It may be a place of peace, of calm, of safety. But the reality in which we experienced is still present in our bodies. And when we ignore it, it actually begins to subjugate us. At least in my belief, it begins to subjugate us. And the more we say this didn't happen, the more that this didn't happen begins to control our decisions and allow us to experience something and supersede an old reality onto a new one. So in this ministry in which I've experienced, they are not traumatic people. These are people that genuinely have celebrated, have appreciated me. And step by step, minute by minute, I am able to hear more and more and receive more and more from these people that have expressed love to me in ways in which I've never experienced before. Each time I get to be around these people, I experience a greater, a wider, a much more pleasant, and a much more blessed reality than I've been used to experiencing. And it can be disconcerting to the reality that I used to have for for 20-something years, said this is not something that can be. But the reality is, the true reality is, is that both perspectives can exist at the same time. And one perspective can be more real than the other perspective. We hear God loves us all the time. We don't often feel that because we may have had 28 years or 48 years or 68 years of experience and said that ain't true. And as we are open, as we are willing and interested in consenting to the reality that what we know may not be all that there is to know. The more we're willing to do that, the more we start finding out this is the year that things are different. This year for me has been a pivotal changing point, a transformation in my patterns of program thinking and what I have always known versus what I know now. And all of it has come from the concept of being open to receive. It takes it, it actually takes, I believe, more humility than to give. Giving is a decision, and in some ways, you have a measure of control over. But receiving, you don't know what that person is going to give you. Receiving takes a manner of trust, almost a opposite side of the coin to giving. Receiving takes a manner of trust. You have to genuinely trust that this person, these people, are going to give you something that is going to genuinely bless and or help you. 
And again, as I say, some of us come from worlds where being given by, to by somebody was not always something. I mean, sometimes, hey, have you ever received a gift? And I asked you, because of course you're not going to be able to answer me here, but have you ever received a gift that when you got it, it was so mind-blowing to you in a positive way that you were you were like, it surpassed your wildest expectations? And on the other side of the coin, have you ever received a gift after expecting, hinting, making clear about what you wanted? And the person was like, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. And then they chose to give you something that was not what you asked for. And you knew it wasn't what you wanted. And they wanted you to be happy about what they gave to you. A lot of us have experienced that where you get presents and things like that. And you're just like, this is not what I wanted, but I have to pretend like I like it. This, I believe, is something that breeds mistrust when we try to give or when we try to receive. Someone says, trust me, and then they let our trust down and they wonder why it is that we cannot trust. A lot of us feel that way about God. A lot of us feel like because of the things we've experienced in life that God is not trustworthy. And usually the answer we get from people is, well, that's because of your faith. Or you should just believe God more. Or God loves you and why do you feel that way? And all that does is make you bypass your own feelings. Make you bypass your own experiences. People don't even realize just how much they might be telling you that your experience is not valid. That what you know wasn't what happened. And the reality is a little bit broader than that. What happened did happen. And it's not the end. It is not the end result. It is the end of your that experience, but it is not the end result that you will have. It is a, a, a milestone or a stepping point in your life, but it ain't the end of your journey. And in my experience, it's kind of been like guys wanted me to get in touch with this authenticity to say that whatever you experience... I have been in that. Even to go as far as the guy saying, I orchestrated it. Not for reasons to hurt me, but to help me. To help me get to this point that I would be open to receiving something that I wasn't probably open to receiving 10 years ago. And God may be like, I want to bless you in a way that you have never experienced before. But I know that if I did this according to the patterns of thinking you have now, you wouldn't receive it. You throw it away as soon as you got it and you wouldn't even realize what it was I gave you. And to spare you from that humiliation and embarrassment, I'm going to allow certain challenges to, to come to you. I'm going to allow you to experience X, Y, and Z. Because these things are going to help you and aid you in being more receptive to me when I show up and I prove myself trustworthy to you. I wonder how many people God wants to prove himself trustworthy to that have been hurt and have been wounded. And and, and, and just to make sure, when I say hurt and wounded, I want to absolutely make sure that you guys know that I would never gloss over your pain. 
Pain is not to be glossed over. And I'm going to make a point about that. Even in the Bible, when people died, they mourned for weeks. They didn't just cry over it one day. Some people would pray and fast until the evening, and all they would do was cry. Some people would pray and fast two and three days crying. Some people would pray and cry and cry and, and, and pray and, and do that for weeks at a time. There is no shame in grieving. The only time that it is not always a good thing is when we allow our pain to be what leads us in life. When we begin to make all of our decisions based around one or two experiences that we've had. That is when God wants to really step in with us because he said that the pain is an experience and it is valid and it is not the end. It is not a but, it is an end. So, in my experience, I said, you know what? I need to give myself more room, as I have been doing, to exist, to feel, to, to, to do, to be, all of those things. And to allow myself to maybe accept a reality that I hadn't known to accept, that maybe God doesn't hate me after all. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, God is very, very pleased with me. Maybe he's proud of me. Maybe he approves of me. Maybe he is 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 thinks of me as a beloved son maybe that's something new for me and these experiences i've been having have been leaning towards god saying i feel this way about you and even leaning to a greater perspective which is i've always felt this way about you i've always thought this about you this is a greater and wider reality Uncharted territory for me. Uncharted territory for a lot of us. I really feel like now has been a time of, uh, uh, we've seen a lot of upheaval. And this world is coming to terms with its perception of itself. And I think we're all kind of doing that on the inside. Coming our to terms with whatever perception of ourselves that we have had, that we've carried, that we have accepted. And coming to a wider understanding that what we perceive about ourselves ain't necessarily the case. And sometimes we're just terrified that if we did, if somebody were to pull the veil off of us and show us what we really felt about ourselves, that they wouldn't like us. Or they'd remind us that we don't like ourselves. But what if, what if the inevitability is that people will tear the curtains off and find that we all have more in common than we think? What if we find ourselves with a different connection? What if we find ourselves with all things faith? Y'all are right where you need to be. Especially as we're moving forward. So, we all are right where we need to be. And... Your experiences are valid. And they are far from your conclusion. Man, I love y'all so much, man. Y'all always have given me the opportunity to be real. And to this day, I'm just happy that I get the chance to rock with y'all some more. So I love y'all. I really hope y'all enjoyed this. Peace.